Hi everybody, it's Roxy and welcome to this week's episode of Two Horny Goats. Sadly, I am one horny goat today because uh, I am doing a solo episode with my partner, Jakuta Pata. Priska and I are doing a two-part series that we're calling our mental health bays because both Jakuta and Abe really advocate in the space of mental health. They are both mental health therapists. And <laughs> I think it, you could tell that it really influences our topics and how we conversate. The What we dig into on this podcast is so heavily informed by the partners that we have in our lives. And I'm very excited to share this episode with y'all today because I have always been so inspired by my conversations with Ja. And ever since we started dating roughly almost four years ago at this point, I find myself approaching people and relationships very differently. And a lot of this has to do with his insight and how our relationship and me learning from him helped heal and inform me of a lot of misunderstandings and conflict that I had about romantic relationships. And this happens with all of us, right? Whether it's us going on our own journey or us dealing with somebody in a partnership, there's always going to be conflict. And sex itself is a difficult topic to talk about, whether it's within the relationship or even to people outside of it, right? Like you don't really want to talk about, oh, having sexual dysfunction in the bedroom or, you know, having to navigate some of these points of conversation that are more difficult to have with your partner because so much of it stems from these internalized beliefs that whether we're not sexy enough. Like we take so much away from how good sex or bad sex sort of represents the relationship and where we are and who we are to our person and to ourselves. So I really want to have this very compassionate conversation because I had misunderstandings about all of it and it deeply impacted my sense of self and also kind of closed me off to relationships that could have been growing instead of being shut off. And just as a warning, if all y'all can't tell from the subject heading already, we do talk very openly about sex and intimacy in this episode. So if you're comfortable with it, go ahead and dive in. If this is an episode not for you, please go ahead and skip it. So this week is going to be interviewing with Jakuta. And I just want to say uh, to give me a little bit of grace if you can't go tease, because in true Mercury in microwave fashion, I had a lot of technical difficulties in my interview with Jakuta. I had a lot of technical difficulties, but he sounds freaking great. So my microphone stopped working shortly before our interview. So I had to resort to using my old school 20 year old Apple headphones. So I apologize in advance if my recording is not as clean or stellar as it could be. Um, But you could just spend most of the time focusing on Jaws' beautiful, beautiful voice throughout most of this interview and I really do hope that you guys enjoy this and write to us let us know what you think uh John and I pretty much cover just the surface level of 
uh, sex and relationship therapy, what it does and some of the conflicts that generally most of his clients may encounter. And if you would like to hear more from him, more case studies, uh, write to us at twohornygoats.com. Let us know what you want to hear or if you want to have Jaw answer any specific questions. We could do a Q&A. And then um, next week, we're going to be taking a little break. Uh, there's going to be Labor Day uh, Monday. So then the following week after that, Prisca is going to be interviewing Abe because he's also such a knowledgeable source of how to deal with mental health. And his whole background in psychology as well is going to really be so informative. And I think what's so wonderful about therapy and mental health, because let's be real, our parents never really talked about this with us, is how so much of it is based on how your inner world reflects your outer world. So without any further ado, I would love to introduce you finally to my partner, Ja, and here is our conversation on sex therapy. Oh my god you have your um sex operator voice happening now babe my sex i i can't turn it off sometimes it comes on sometimes it goes off it's just it's built in i don't tell you i know i feel like you talk like this all the time though i've never heard you not sound like a sex phone operator i was i was in the wrong field <laughs> different. Chose different lifestyle. Um, but I'm just so happy that um, you're here doing this episode with me because I feel like so many of our conversations, because we talk so much, and I feel like every time we talk in a blink of an eye, it's like six hours later. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like we we go through all of these conversations, and I feel like what I love about you is like how humanistic you are, how empathetic you are, and how deeply you see into certain situations or biases that I have, um, especially around just people, because I think it's easy for us to hold judgment on others. Mm-hmm. You've always been like the most spiritual and um, loving person when it comes to sort of challenging these stereotypes or what we don't care to understand. And I, I want like the goatees to know you a little bit more, but have you always been this way? I've probably, the earliest I can remember is um, in elementary school. I was very, uh, I guess, separated from most people. But Mm -hmm. some of the people I really enjoyed were people who were, maybe I guess you can call them weird. Yeah. Right? But it was, I didn't find out until probably I was an adult that some of the people that I really enjoyed spending time with who I was supporting and just wanted to listen to and be a part of the world were people who had autism mm-hmm. or people who had um, some type of developmental disorder. Um, it was just because I, I don't know, their brains were unique to me. I loved talking and playing out roles and characters together. And mm-hmm. it was, I think, the beginning of me just enjoying life and people, no matter how it showed up. Um, mm-hmm. But my parents were a huge part of that. They were just these big, hippies yeah that loved vegan lifestyle and stuff so so how did they teach you about people and um approaching people and how to see people a lot of what they were teaching me as far as values were um you want to try to be peaceful if you Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. 
right? But if you can't, you have to fight, right? At least this came from my dad. Oh. My mom was a teacher. So like literally fight. Literally fight. My dad, my dad was very much the idea of be like a cat, right? Mm-hmm. If you can, try to avoid the violence, right? But if you can't, then you might have to knock somebody out. And I unfortunately had to learn that like in middle school, like no elementary school. But my mom was a teacher, so she saw things a little bit different than that. So you got into fights growing up? Oh, yeah. That was like day one of what? Kindergarten until I want to say high school, probably. But things didn't really keep going in high school. It's probably just that was the end of it. But how how did these fights instigate? Do you think it's because of the environment? Because like because of like what you look like? Like where did that really come? Like the bullying? Like where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, to people's credit, I'm a weird. I was a weird kid. You know, I had this skinny body had this giant afro look like a microphone (laughs) and i was talking about anime and loving the idea of being vegeta when i grew up and Mm -hmm. these different things but i was also like the only black person for the most part um wait what part of la was this the only black if you're the only black kid so that was like first grade in glendale Mm -hmm. um it was just me in that grade if there was anyone that was black, there were in maybe other grades and I didn't interact or see them. Right. So people would pick on me for that. And that was the beginning of me having to learn how to fight people because mm, I was being attacked on. Yeah. Yeah. To see you now, because you're like one of the most loving people that I've ever met. And, you know, I think when we first started dating, I had certain misconceptions about just how relationships should be or how we should operate. And I remembered like a habit that I used to have with my ex-partners was that um, if we escalate into a fight, I was very used to sort of having passionate back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm yelling at you, you're yelling at me. If I'm pushing, you're, you're, you're reflecting that, like you're my mirror, but you've never escalated anything. And I think one of the most poignant points that you've made to me was Roxy, I can't get violent. I can't get aggressive. I'm in this like big black body. You said if I were to behave in that way, it would reflect very differently on me than it were if it were on you. And that was such an eye-opening moment because you're absolutely right. It's like because we live in different bodies, it's like we've had different experiences and therefore we have to manage, you know, sort of our actions and what the repercussions of what that may be. And, you know, you're the first, you're my first black boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've never dated a black person before and at least not long-term. Right. And I think through that statement, it really helped me open my eyes to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been quite the journey to find my assertive voice. Mm -hmm. Right. While also trying to balance the fact that people are, scared of me before knowing me do you feel like people often see you as one way and then when they talk to you or get to know they're like oh actually <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent. there's been that probably uh in different stages of my life you know but in in some ways people who feel energy they know yeah people who feel energy they know when they see me smile they're welcomed and when they, i talk to people they're welcomed just to give a little bit of a context of how we met y'all like John and I met online, okay? Like, this was back in the time when Roxy was still, like, very much manic. 
and um, right before, before tw- COVID. Yeah, right before COVID. And um, I think at that time, I was really concerned about settling down and getting married and having kids. And like, I was still attached to this idea of a certain path for myself, like a nuclear family and all of that. But I was also exploring polyamory, which is, you know, a big part of how we met because Ja is married and he's been with his partner, Victoria, for how long have you been together at this point? Close to 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, close to that. Yeah. And then um, you both have a very beautiful baby girl and okay. another one on the way very soon. Yeah, very kind. You, the both of you also live with another partner, right? And so it's this beautiful polycule. And like I've been dating a lot of other people at that point, but for us to really connect, you know, the first time we met and to continue to stay consistent with each other up until now, almost four years later, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, to be honest, like, did you ever imagine us getting to this point? It's interesting. On our first date, yeah, I had, I saw you, and mm-hmm. um, I remember when I first I was like, "Wow, she is gorgeous." Aww. And I was like, "Well, let's see, let's see how she is." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's gorgeous, but uh, you know, let, let's see how this goes. <laughs> and we had such a beautiful conversation, and then we had these, oh my god, delicious! I still, I still dream about those sandwiches that we ate. <laughs> oh, uh, what was that so place called? Was that wax? Wax paper? Oh, wax paper, wax paper. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. In Frogtown. So good. Oh, it, was, it was absolutely delicious. And it was interesting. You talked about this a little bit earlier. We would have these long conversations about things. And it was uh, it was a wonderful time for me just to feel like, wow, I get to connect to this person and it'd be timeless. You know? Oh. Yeah. I, I, that was a very vivid image for me was when we were sitting down having these deep, deep conversations like in your place or mm-hmm. at a restaurant or just enjoying food together because I think something that's been a pattern for us <laughs> is eating. I mean, hey, I like food. You like food. It's a good marriage if you ask me. <laughs> did you see us getting here or did you ever think about that? I've had moments in my life that helped me realize that I need to focus on being here as much as possible so I don't miss all the beauty. Mm-hmm. And if I worry too much about how things could be or aren't or what they should or shouldn't look like, it pulls me away from enjoying ice cream that I want to be a part of. So although I wanted all the beautiful things, um, the labels of what those things look like wasn't really on my mind. I just wanted to spend time with you. And I'm sure you goatees can tell that John and I are such different people. Like I am and still, you know, I wasn't still, I would say this person that's always really anxious about the future. Right. Like I'm always anxious about like, will this work out? Will this not like blah, blah, blah. Like, is it worth walking down this path? And I remembered like, Ja, you were, you just said it one time, you were just like, oh, like, I could see us, like, being together for, like, a long time, like, until we're 104, right? Specifically until we're 104 years old. And then one of us will die, and then that'll be it, you know? And, And you being so confident about that, like, about our love and about this relationship, like, really scared me because I think 
just putting this in the context of this generation and dating in general, people are so scared, right? And especially in these more populated cities like New York or Los Angeles or anywhere where sort of the hustle culture is like a little bit bigger and people are more focused on their own priorities and people are more noncommittal. It's everywhere. People are more afraid of getting in relationships and relationships have shifted in the way that they existed in past generations until now. Like it's really changed. And your like area of expertise in therapy is uh, you're a sex and relationship therapist. Yeah. What got you into that? You know, originally I wanted to be a doctor, you know, because I love science, I love the body. But a different calling came to me in the form of a fear, right? I was in my undergraduate program, and I desperately wanted a girlfriend <laughs> at the time. Vibe, vibe. And, um, but I was so scared to talk to people, like to go up and talk to someone, mm-hmm. right? And I wasn't really, the apps weren't intriguing enough for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to people in person. Mm-hmm. I was super scared, like to the point where I would hide, kind of scared. Oh. Yeah. And it wasn't until I found this program. It's gone now. It's called Simple 30. Um, now looking back, it's probably a gradual exposure type program. But essentially, each day was a challenge to get over your fear of talking to people. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end of it, there wasn't anything that I was scared of in walking up and talking to people. And when I found that, I was like, I want to help other people with this. So I started a group helping other people out, trying to manage their fear and meet the people that they need to or want to meet. And I was like, dude, if I can keep doing that, that'd be awesome. So he said, well, let's branch it out. And so I looked into some psychology courses, Mm -hmm. did my master's program for marriage and family therapy. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, as of last year, I started doing more and more in-depth work as far as um, sex topics, as far as relationships and individuals. And it's been, it's been a joy. Despite us being very, in a very woke and liberal environment, sex itself as a topic is still very difficult to talk about. Either it's taught to us that it's a sacred ritual because of our religious background, or two, that it's just a biological need in order to procreate. Three, it's just a transaction that we use after having a date, you know, or it's a playing ground, or it's for us to fulfill our needs, our libido, our sexual craving, whatever. But I feel like we just understand, maybe not even fully, the surface level of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes, what's going on is there's a lot of barriers to understanding ourselves as relates to sex. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I very much focus on is pulling the person away from all these different barriers and piece of information that blocks their ability to feel one with themselves, mm-hmm. right? And be able to explore sex in a way that feels good for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And more often than not, things like what people say, what maybe social media says, mm-hmm. right? what you know their partner says right that will shape what sex is but there's so many facets to it i mean intimacy in and of itself right is so global it's so huge 
right? You can pull that apart in numerous different ways, but it so much informs how you have sex with somebody and how you interact with them, you know, but that's for the most part missed. Yeah. We work with someone like a sex therapist that can help you dive a little bit deeper. So what exactly is sex therapy and what does it entail? Um, it's a couple of different things, mm -hmm. right? So a sex therapist will help you have better sex. Yay. Right? <laughs> but they'll also help you untangle sexual trauma um, as well as difficulties with sexual performance, um, different biological functions that are informed by our anxieties, mm -hmm. like erectile dysfunction mm -hmm. or premature ejaculation or vaginismus. Mm -hmm. What's right? vaginismus? There's, there's a quite a spectrum, male and female, mm -hmm. with difficulties in the body as far as how they react mm -hmm. to stimuli. Right? Ah, mm. um, similarly with both, sometimes you can have functions of it be impacted by anxiety, by fear, by trauma, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes when someone's experiencing trauma or they have some level of PTSD or um, chronic stress, these things can have an impact on our ability to be uh, comfortable, to feel not in pain, these different things. So for both male and female, there are disorders that include pain, disorders that include pelvic challenges, that include tightness challenges, um, difficulties with lubrication, even with, say, for instance, um, men with premature ejaculation or maybe erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. You can have a difficulty because of a fear attached to our perceptions, mm -hmm. right? And when that's untangled, sometimes there are changes with that. Right. And same goes for both. A lot of times as a sex therapist and just a regular therapist, we suggest that somebody goes and sees a medical professional mm -hmm. so that at least the biological things can be examined further. This is fascinating because a, a lot of us operate through life like, oh, we have sex or we don't have sex. like, And we never realize that there may be trauma attached to our experiences. For me... Um, I had no idea that my body was in an anxious, heightened state anytime I had sex before I met you. Like, it, you know, for a lot of women, especially, or, and men in general, sorry, I didn't want to say that, but for, for anybody, when you are new to having sex with somebody, um, especially in our dating climate, it, it's very performative, right? You're not relaxed. You're just about basically what we see through pornography or what we see in media, like telling us how sex should be, which actually taints a lot of what sex can be, right? Yeah. And you talking about vaginismus or like, you know, erectile dysfunction or anything like that, like so many couples struggle with, and, and women, we struggle with this orgasm gap, right? Like um, men being able to ejaculate and then women not being able to have an orgasm through the duration of the sexual intercourse. And the, it's, you know, scientific, it's statistically proven, which is, oh gosh, like, it's not that we can't have orgasms, right? It's like, we can, we can by ourselves. And a lot of us just sort of accept it as is, you know, through the previous generations of like, oh, women being married and men providing a role, financial stability, and also, you know, the caretaker of a family. Like, but we don't discuss the why, like we don't like we just accept it when in fact sex and relationships could evolve they don't stay stagnant right 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a big fight with oneself. Yeah. yeah. Because there is an authentic feeling that gets ignored. Mm-hmm. Right. There's an authentic feeling sometimes that I don't want to have sex. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's an authentic feeling of this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Right. And these different things will inform how we think about sex, how we think about penetration, how we think about the first time with somebody, right? Because for some people, especially people who go through trauma, this could be another moment of me experiencing pain. And that's very much going to inform what the sexual experience is going to look like for, you know, future or present partners, right? And the social impacts are huge too. I don't know how my partner is going to feel about my size or I don't know how my partner's going to feel mm. about this, that, or the other, mm-hmm. especially if we think of sex as dirty, right? Mm-hmm. Or rather than being wet. And so it's going to make a difference. A lot of the social implications can be worked through. Yeah. Because there's fear aspects of it that can be managed. The body's just saying, Hey, there's an alarm. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. Right. Prepare yourself right, for an imminent threat. And we have to be the person that comes in and lets ourselves know that you're going to be okay. A lot of my work is helping people do that so that they can feel more comfortable, so they can explore what their sexuality actually is rather than in comparison to what it's supposed to look like. So just to give an example, like I was telling you that when I had sex with men in the past, right? Like, I don't know what it is, maybe because I'm a man eater. <laughs> <laughs> But like, uh, or maybe I just have this incredible masculine energy where I I encountered situations in the past where my partner has gotten soft or maybe they can't get it up. Right. And it was such a blow to my pride. Like it was such a blow to my ego, my sense of self, whether or not I'm sexy enough. Is it because I'm too fat? Is it because I'm too much? Am I too wild? And I used to take it as like, like a neg against me. Like it was somehow my fault that I couldn't get it up or they can, but then at the same time, it's like they were also embarrassed. I realized that I was so consumed with my feelings about being inadequate that I completely started ignoring what my partner was feeling mm-hmm. and that they were also going through stress and shame well, here I am being like, oh, they don't find me attractive, mm, right? right? Like, could you expand on that? Because this can't, this also happens with so many other people, which is. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And it's, it's an easy conclusion to come to when there isn't enough information. Mm-hmm. It's easy for us to delve into ourselves and go, what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, some of that energy is a shared or at least shared in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Something we don't think about is the way that that person manages their problem is going to also impact how you're invited to that energy. Mm. So if I'm very anxious about it and I hate that this happens to me, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm very frustrated that it happens to me. I'm very sad this happens to me. And I'm apologizing to you this is happening to me. You're now being invited into that energy too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that alone will help you or rather uh, start putting you into a path of like, man, what am I doing wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Or am I supposed to be helping this person with a problem? Am I not? What does this look like? A huge piece about this is everyone has their own experiences in their body. Your experiences 
your unique experience. I'm here with my partner and I see that things aren't going the way that I was hoping for, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe the way that I may want. And I have to mm -hmm. deal with that disappointment or I have to deal with that maybe uncomfortable feeling. I have to navigate to some degree this something that came up for me that doesn't feel okay, mm -hmm. right? And then the unfortunate thing about this is if there isn't a language for how to have that conversation, right? There really isn't a resolution. A lot of people just sort of clam up about it and we just stop talking. People just tend to clam up and they just shut down. Yeah. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Because it's like in that moment, you're so vulnerable because you're naked, you know, and maybe things were going, maybe things were happening, maybe things have momentum. Like what would be your advice? I want to give two, I want to ask two questions. Yeah. What would you give in this scenario to A, exhibit A, a couple that's newly dating, or maybe they're not even a couple, maybe they're just, you know, dating, right? Yeah. And gotcha. two, maybe further down the line, a very long-term relationship, yeah. years down the line. Okay. So for the person that is in a new relationship or circumstance, I guess, mm -hmm. right? The thing to think about is this, how do I want to show up in the world for myself? Am I someone that values being authentic with other people? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If your authentic self is, I want to have an experience with somebody that's happy and joyful and adventurous, then that opens up far more options of how to get there. Figure out what you want in this relationship what you want in these interactions with this person and then use that as your compass what if one of the people in you know the exchange is like i i just want to keep going i want to just keep trying and the other person's like oh, i just really i don't know if i could keep pushing it because it feels mm -hmm. forced at this point see if you can have a moment to be present with yourself it's like a pause is relatively fine in that because what it would look like is this what am i feeling mm -hmm. right i feel like i'm done Right? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling? I want to keep going. I want to enjoy this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to connect with that, the next piece is communication. But the way to do that is this I see somebody is suffering. Do I want to offer my compassion and try to decrease that suffering? What other ways can we keep going if we're both open to it? Right? Hey, I'm kind of done in this area. Why not you want to keep going? How do we meet in the middle? Mm -hmm. Right? Hey, I'm still down for this. Are you still down for that? Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about that is you're pulling away from the idea that things are negative. Therefore, it's not worth talking or parsing through. Yeah. The other person doesn't know what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. No, that is fascinating. And, and like going off of that, you know, you have couples who have been together for years, maybe even decades who have never addressed this if the other person stops responding during sex right or maybe doesn't even want to have sex at all no. but because it's such a vulnerable thing or maybe it's so taboo depending on whatever you know your upbringing is or what your personal beliefs are right it just never gets addressed yeah so what happens if it never gets addressed um more often than not if it's a relationship where both people have a hard time communicating authentically, then they will build resentment. Yeah. Right. 
because they're not actually sharing the thing that is uncomfortable for them with mm -hmm. their partner or the situations that they did not like to the partner. So mm -hmm. they start resenting their partner mm -hmm. and then that gets worse with every event. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Similarly, here's the problem with swallowing your authenticity for the purpose of keeping peace in your relationship is that you will change what sex is both to yourself and to the relationship. And once it's changed, other problems will start to occur, right? Mm -hmm. If the body views sex as the thing that I'm nervous about and scared about, you'll have tension, right? In different shapes, ways, and forms. Mm -hmm. Something that I help couples with, especially if they've been with each other for a long time is, let's untangle what this sex looks like now and how did we get there? And what else is informing this? And oftentimes it's moments, moments where the person sighed and say, oh God, here we go again, oh. right? Or moments where there was maybe a situation that the person didn't like, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of slapped my ass in a way that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. It made me too hard, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And we never talked about it, but I hated it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It made me feel like unsafe around this person. What what happens with that? Like sometimes when we talk about sex or you, we, you know, we have these discussions, I'm always thinking about like love languages, right? Like we, yeah. we know there's different love languages, but there's also different sex languages. Mm -hmm. So like what happens if you like have a, if you're deeply in love with your partner, like, yeah. like I just want to be with this person forever. But like your sex language is like polar opposites. Like mm -hmm. you have one that like really is kinky, one that really loves role play. And then the other one's like, mm, I'm really not about that. Or like, actually, I don't mind not having sex as the center of our relationship. Right. Like you have you have like one person who centers sex as like an essential need for a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you have another one that has a very different sex language, but there's still so much romantic love and commitment. Well, like what happens with that? Yeah. Sometimes what happens is this. Mm. One person is feeling confident in this thing that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain level of, I really like this aspect of this. And there's this other person that maybe doesn't understand what that is. And because they don't understand, they may have other things present when that topic comes up. Like, fear and anxiety yeah right mm -hmm. maybe there's an expectation that i'm supposed to do something mm -hmm. right that's in your ballpark and i don't know how to do it mm -hmm. right and when things i don't know how to do come up i feel anxious right maybe that's what that looks like oftentimes what's good see if you can learn about what this person is involved and in that they like right mm -hmm. this person has like you said like a kink for instance where they mm -hmm. enjoy role play see if you can learn more like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Right? How, why do you enjoy it? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. delve deeper into the thing that your partner loves and enjoys mm -hmm. and see from there what you can pull. Because you may find that the more you do your own research, the more you learn about your partner's loves and intrigues, that you find intersections. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, at first I wasn't interested in role play. Mm -hmm. Right? But there's this one thing they keep talking about. And there's this one piece of it I would really love to try. Ah, uh, uh, Yeah, because mm -hmm. I've thought more about it. I've learned more about it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem too scary. The real problem is that I'm scared to do it because I'm not familiar with it. 
Well, that's interesting, right? Because what you're telling me right now is the the intersection that sex has in relationships, right? It's like how we show up in our intimate moments is how it's reflected in sort of like the big overview of the relationship. For example, there are some people who really like the comfort of routine in relationships. Yeah. They really don't want things to change. Why change? Things are great the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, sex. Yeah. Maybe you go down on me first and then it shifts to missionary and then it shifts to doggy and then we end there. Right. There's a routine to it. Sort of these patterns that are exhibited in sex affects the relationship. If the sex starts to shift, the relationship will start to shift and vice versa. Mm. Right. Like they're they're completely symbiotic. Yeah. What do you do if like someone just really loves stability and routine and comfort and there's you know another person and this is not so much sex and maybe more in the relationship spectrum of like how to work with your partner if you are happy with the way things are and they aren't Mm -hmm. what would you say to that offering yourself moments to realize that being present with how things are Mm -hmm. right is a vital step in making modifications because we will be pulled from thinking too much about how it isn't. If I have a client, for instance, or a couple, and there's this want for exploration, but a difficult time on how to get there, I first start with, let's go back to the basics, right? Let's be so focused in this that we can enjoy. This is what's called sensei focus, where essentially you're taking each of the steps of maybe intimacy, and you're breaking it down to the senses. Let me think about and feel and smell this person's hair, Mm. right? Let me slow down. Let me enjoy this journey. One of the times that, or one of the first times that we had had sex, well, first time we had sex, it was something interesting in that I wanted to enjoy every little piece that I could in that experience, Mm. right? I didn't want to miss any smell, any taste, any groove in your skin. Right. I wanted every single moment to be delicious. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing that pulls me away is thoughts. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I bring myself back and I check in with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I have that thought that's pulled me away, I look at you. And if I feel that things need to shift, I'll make a shift. Mm-hmm. But I want that to be a journey rather than a destination. This is what's similar in these interactions. Same with couples, new or old. Mm-hmm. is trying to find a way to find the joy again, the fun again. Yes. Right? The exploration of, hey, let's assume we do not know each other's bodies. I know that we, we're, we've been each other for a long time. Yeah. It would be hard to say that, but let's assume we don't know enough about each other's bodies. Mm-hmm. Let's start over. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's go into a point where we can say, hey, I'm comfortable with this touch. Let mm-hmm. me feel what that feels like. Let me show you what that feels like. Have it be a totally new experience that you guys can walk slowly and keep doing your routine. If that's going well, have moments. We're going to do a routine. We enjoy this, right? We have a pocket of time. We're going to do some exploration. We're going to keep working on that. What happens when when, um, someone in the couple is saying that, like, they've lost attraction for their partner? Yeah. Where does that stem from usually? In your experience? Usually in my experience, it's a cumulative feeling, mm-hmm. right? So 
more often than not, the attraction that they're talking about is complex. Oftentimes people will say, I, I enjoy being with my partner. I enjoy spending time with my partner, but I'm not sexually attracted to them. You know, other times it's, you know, there are aspects of the relationship that hits them deep and they're ignoring it, right? My partner demeans me, mm. right? And when I speak to them, it doesn't really feel like they hear what I'm saying, right? Right. Yeah. And I don't feel like I want to have sex. Yeah. I'm in that state. And that that's an understandable feeling to have. When I work with clients, it's dissecting the complexity to yeah. understand why are we in this space where sex or other aspects, I'm not feeling the same like I did before. Sometimes there's deeper things going on or conversations we know we need to be having that we're not having that we're avoiding. But like, do you see a pattern in today's generation where people tend to give up quite easily. And I'm saying this as in like something gets hard and then we break up or like we ghost each other or, you know, cause I know a big passion of yours is helping people find connection and the joy in dating again, yeah. that it doesn't need to be this end all be all thing, but why are people so scared? The difficulty with fear is oftentimes, and maybe with this, maybe how with the current climate is socially now yeah. is there is this belief that somebody else needs to dissuade your feelings. They need to reduce your fear or anxiety, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like a, you're in a room and there's a light switch and you don't want to be in the dark, right? So that very moment there's darkness, you run as fast as you can to turn on the light. Yes. And for some people it's, I'm going to make sure this person turns on the light. If they're not doing it fast enough, or the way that I want them to, I'm going to be upset. I'm feeling darkness. cold out right now. Feeling. <laughs> uh... You know, the issue with both with both people is you don't learn how to be in the dark, mm. right? Because you're recruiting someone or something to do the work of turning on the light for you, and the thing that will change your life in numerous aspects is when you have more of a relationship with yourself in the, when it refers to fear and anxiety, right? When you're able to nurture that and go, you know what, we're going to jump. We're going to sit in this darkness just a little bit longer. And we're just going to practice that every time, just a little bit longer this time, just a little bit longer this time. I'm going to see if I can learn who I am, mm. right? And take steps outside of my comfort zone. That's how everything changes, right? Everything you want in life, is outside of your comfort zone. All the joy you want, all the knowledge you want, all the happiness you want. A hundred. It's out there. It's not in the space that's comfortable. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when you talk to a therapist or you take your own steps of small steps outside your comfort zone, consistently practicing that, mm -hmm. you'll often start to find these ahas, right? And these beauties in your interactions with yourself and with other people. What does the word sex, does it require penetration? You know, like what is sex to you? Does it need that? Because there are some people who identify as asexual, yeah. right? And um, want romantic relationships. Is it important that sex dictate the validity of a romantic relationship? It's very, some, it's very much something that keeps coming up in conversation because 
the word sex can be attached to so many other things, mm-hmm. right? Um, intimacy is a word that I often pair with sex often. Right. And one of the reasons why is when I think of sex, I think of all the little things. I often think that having a conversation about what pulls me, what drives me, mm-hmm. right? And looking into somebody's eyes, mm-hmm. right? And enjoying my space with them as mm-hmm. part of the sexual experience, mm-hmm. right? We say foreplay in some different ways, mm-hmm. but being tickled <laughs> by the joys of life with right. my person yeah. is 100% in my eyes, sex. So when you and I are making stupid jokes and laughing about stupid people, is that also sex? I find it to be the case. Wow. Right. Wow. Because so one of the things that will form it is being comfortable and understanding of your partner. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes your sexual experience will feel so much more delicious when you enjoy this person. Yeah. I mean, that'll right. help, right? <laughs> yeah. I've talked to this person. I've enjoyed spending time with this person. We ate delicious food together. Yeah. I'm understanding who this person is. Yeah. Right. And I'm also understanding who I am with this person. Wait, who who are you when you're with me? When I'm with you? Yeah. I feel like all of that is a sexual experience for me. <laughs> it's, it's an intellectual and it's a sexual experience and it's a loving experience. Yes, that's very true. And then um, and then I get mad at you for yeah. not bringing me donuts. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and my whoops. I used to bring you... Uh, I used to bring you desserts. Remember, I used to make you desserts. Yeah, you used to make me desserts, but I'm like, um, I think we both have a history of diabetes in our family, so we should probably not. <laughs> yeah. You would bring me like full cakes and shit, even though I live alone. And I'm like, I can't. Yeah, yeah. It was just very, 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 very thoughtful of you. Um, yeah. Um, switching gears, though. What about those with um, children? Because like usually when kids come into the picture, like sex changes and the relationship changes as well, especially when people have their first child, their freedom of time sort of goes away. Priorities change, right? Like um, children are a very joyful thing. Um, And some people want it. Some people don't completely great, but like we can't lie. It it shifts the dynamic of a relationship. What do you say to couples who are like struggling with that or even single parents that are struggling with that and trying to date? It's going to sound like I'm not answering your question, but bear with me. Okay. How you manage your stress as it relates to your kids and the complexity of doing work or not doing work or doing all the other facets of family life, right, is mm-hmm. extremely important because oftentimes we'll come home thinking that we really, really want to have sex with our partner, not knowing that we're really stressed from the day of work that we had. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Not knowing that we're seeking a different kind of release. And then when we don't get it, a really big frustration, disappointment, and likely other feelings come in. Right. Right. Because that was supposed to be the thing that was supposed to make me feel better. I see. More often than not, people don't know all of that, which is why it's so important to have transition rituals from work, why it's important to have some level of self care. Mm-hmm. Right from your day to day life, kids are triggering for us by nature. They teach us a lot in that way. Yes, right? and being able to manage our own difficulties that come up is very much going to make an impact on how we show up to them, but also to our partner. The next step from that is 
having conversations about intimacy. Mm-hmm. So having a conversation about what am I feeling with my partner today? Mm-hmm. This is what I would like to call check-ins. Right. right. So having a daily, weekly check-in with your partner. Mm-hmm. Hey, how are you feeling? What's your day looking like? Are you feeling like you want this or that? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about our relationship? Mm-hmm. Right. Where are some things you feel like you want some change in? Where are some mm-hmm. things you want to talk about we haven't right. talked about yet? And being open to the things that my partner or the answers that my partner has to those questions are their unique experience. Let me be open to hearing what they have to say and pull my perspective aside and my opinion aside for a moment just to hear it and process it. Wow. That that goes back to what you said earlier about sex is usually attached to something. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, we sometimes just think, oh, sex is just sex. Like, oh, you know, my partner wants it now. Fine. Whatever. You know, like, sure. Some people schedule sex in. Right. Some yeah. people have to make time for it. It just really depends on the dynamic and the framework of your relationship. Yeah. But going to another part of this conversation about relationships is open relationships and poly. So yeah. Yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of my, the people I know identify as monogamous, right? I've worked to have people in my life that are very open with sharing you know, their struggles or their problems with one another. And look, polyamory is a choice. Monogamy is also a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And I've dated a lot of poly people, but I think you, out of everyone that I've ever met, you're probably the most advanced polyamorous person <laughs> I've ever met. And I'll tell you why. Because it's hard. It's hard managing jealousy. It's hard managing how you see yourself. It's hard to manage, like, how powerful or how invalidated you may feel after having sex with somebody, right? Because let's be honest, a lot of us attach the importance of intimacy in a relationship to sex, right? The reason why I say you're the highest form of of a polyamorous person I've ever dated is because you have all these people in your life. I mean, you have a lot of responsibilities. You're a father, you know, you're a therapist, you have a partner and you have like your family and you're you your schedule is packed you do qigong you like i know your weekly schedule and you work so much you provide so much for everybody but since we started dating it's like you've gotten married you know you and victoria have expanded your family and i've always had this fear like as changes happen with your relationship with her that thing it was going to impact ours Mm. and it never really has. In fact, it only added to the beauty of what we were doing. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and say that this is a black and white, like this, like Polly's great. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, it definitely has its own challenges. But I always had that fear that when you became a father or if you got married, like, um, it would diminish our relationship. But it never has. Like, I never felt like I lost you. I never felt like you were any less present or... Like, sure, some priorities needed to shift because of Aminatu, but, like, that's uh, that's an obvious, you know, like, that obviously needs to be a priority. But in terms of, like, our dynamic, we continue to grow. And I, th- I, I want to talk about, you know, open relationships and poly and distinct the difference for a little bit. What is the difference between open relationships and polyamory? Polyamory is the idea that 
you can have the capacity to be in a loving relationship with more than one person, mm-hmm. right? Uh, intimate or not mm-hmm. within the, the spectrum. Open relationship may not look that way, right? right? So some people may feel like we can have interactions with other humans, mm-hmm. right? As long as there are certain rules in place that maybe aren't involving love and intimacy in that way. Right. An example of this could be someone that says that, hey, I'm open to you dating people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but I don't want to go farther than blank or blank. Right. right? Mm-hmm. There is a different spectrum to that. But for yeah. the most part, for polyamory, people are open to the idea that I can be in love with you and I can be in love with someone else. Right. right? And that being okay. Right. Polly has been not sensationalized, but it's also kind of been sort of a trend, right? In the past recent years, I'd say like a lot of like, not a trend to us because it's very real for you and me, but I see it on TikTok because TikTok is such a short amount of time. People really sort of like, oh my God, like my partner and their partner is having a baby. I'm totally okay with that. It's so cool, you know? And then because there's not enough room to give it depth or context or to really start a conversation, you start a whole flurry of people responding, being like, you're just like a secondary partner and blah, you're just too stupid to know that, right? And and I think people ingest this information thinking that that's what poly is. Using, I guess it's called spiritual bypassing, but use it as poly bypassing. So for example, it's like a monogamous couple who have been together for a long time say that, you know, sex isn't working out for us anymore. Instead of seeking therapy for it, instead of seeking help for it, they resort to maybe we should try open relationships, which to one partner is like, I really don't want to do that. And the other partner is, this is my inherent need is to have sex and you're not giving me that. So I'm going to go do this. And partner A, who doesn't want it, is like, well, I love you enough for you to go do it. So they go do it and then they do it and it breaks them, right? And the relationship is damaged, right? And then some people saying, oh, we try poly and we tried the whole sex, but they don't really know what that is. They just see it as like this trend on social media where it's actually so much more primal and like natural and layered than that, right? Because it looks different for everybody. I'm not, I don't really have a question here, but it's more like an observation. Yeah. And what your thoughts are on that, because I feel like the way that people would use spiritual bypassing, sometimes they use like open relationships and poly for the very same reason. Like they think that this is the answer when inherently it's like they need to look within themselves, you know? That's very true though, because there is something else usually going on. Right. I see what you're saying as well, because sometimes with people, they think that the solution is that I need something from somebody else. And in some cases, maybe that's true, right? I agree with you that sometimes people jump straight into it Mm -hmm. and then there's damage that's done. What's usually best in those cases is if you want to open something up, let's have like a really in-depth conversation about it, right? Mm -hmm. What is okay? What's not okay, right? How do we want to do this? Can we take small steps what are we going to do to support each other in each one of those steps? Mm-hmm. It sounds mm, like too much work. <laughs> right, one, right. Under this, like, 
if it's too much work or it feels like that's going to be too much work, is is it worth doing the next steps mm-hmm. where nobody knows what this is going to look like? Nobody knows how to support each other when we do this, mm-hmm. right? I feel uncomfortable and you and I haven't talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like you understand the discomfort that I'm feeling, mm-hmm. but we're doing it anyways. And this is why um, consensual non-monogamy, right, is labeled as consensual. Because yes. both people are agreeing that this is what we're going to do. Yes. Right. And if you're going to yes. agree that we're going to do this, you better make sure both people understand what that is. Yes. Because the only thing that follows that is a possibility of things going well, which is great, but yeah. also a possibility of some pain amongst each other in some kind of way. Yeah. Jealousy is a really big thing people struggle with in polyamory, mm-hmm. um, as well as open relationships. And it's not, it may not be examined as much rather than just, oh, that person did it and that person did it. Oh, it looks great. So let's dive into jealousy a little bit um, because it's natural. It's a very human instinct, right? How do you navigate jealousy? That must be something that comes up quite often with your clients. No, it is. Um, the process of jealousy is very similar to that example I gave with the light, mm-hmm. right? So people think that I'm feeling jealous, therefore this person needs to stop blank or blank. When oftentimes I'm feeling jealous means that there's something else coming up for you, right? And understanding what that is, is going to make a really big impact on how to change it. I think if people don't go through therapy, they think that everything lives in the external world. And therapy, you realize that everything is about your internal world. Everything. This person's doing something wrong. That person, you know, they're not doing this right. I told them a million times, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting triggered. I'm getting blah, blah, blah. When in fact, it's really a mirror. Yes. About why this is coming up for you. Yeah. And going into jealousy, I, I obviously don't want to make it so blasé or to simple, make it so simple because it's not. No. But it stems from how we see ourselves, right? And it's natural to feel insecure about many things, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, in when I was in monogamous relationships, I needed a sense of control because that's what I experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have that control, if I feel like they have that freedom to go and talk to whoever they want, then I have no ownership over this person, mm-hmm. which inherently means they're going to leave me. Uh, right? that's, that's the big one right there. Yeah. So it's like, are relationships about freedom or are they about, you know, and, and every relationship could, could be something different for yeah, so yeah. many people, right? Some people just have their one penguin true love that they've given a pebble to, you know, when they were young yeah. and they're like happy. It just works right? For some couples, good for them, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, a lot of us, we're going through this journey of life, you know, fulfilling or not fulfilling certain soul contracts with people and having to learn the same lesson over and over again. Why do I keep attracting the same people? Why do I keep attracting the same old shitheads? Why am I so unlucky with Mm. love? But that's really inherently a narrative we've written for ourselves, right? There's a lack mentality rather than feeling. There's so many people in the world, so many people to explore, so many beautiful connections to make that if I lose this one person, 
That's it. This this is it, right? How am I going to survive this if it doesn't work out? Feelings are strong. Maybe it's the hormones. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you know, maybe people are chasing something that um, they don't really want, but they've been told that they want, you know? And maybe it's just that we're so attached to not losing the good thing that we have because we want the good stuff so much. And so if I get even a piece of it, I want to hold on to it because I don't want to not have it. Right. I don't want to feel lonely. So I'll deal with it. So this is interesting. Something that you're picking up on. You're like, I don't want to lose the good thing I have. One partner feels that way. Like if I lose this one person, it's all done for. And then on the other hand, you probably have the other partners like, I deserve much better than this. I'm settling. Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah, quite the dilemma. Yeah. And so then you have the the runner and chaser dynamic. Mm -hmm. Right? Someone who feels like they could get someone better. And they have someone who thinks that if I don't have this person, I'm going to lose it all. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like when I was younger, I used to put people on pedestals like crazy. Yeah. Like you start to fantasize about this person and write a narrative of them in your head instead of just seeing them for as they are. Do you have dating advice for people who are more anxious? <laughs> Especially like a lot oh, of my yeah. friends who are single and as we're getting older, you know, like yeah. people are anxious about being alone. The feeling of anxiety is so overwhelming. Yeah. Right. And it starts this kind of snowballing effect that can get really, really bad over time, you know? And depression is something that people also struggle with that makes the process of challenging their anxiety hard to. People who really wanna have a relationship that is nurturing for themselves, um, oftentimes when I see them in therapy, what I'm doing is trying to help them identify what are the things that they're actually looking for? And what are the things that they really, really, really do not want to experience with another person, right? For instance, oftentimes people will say to me that, you know, I really want someone to be there for me when I'm not okay, mm -hmm. right? And that's huge, yeah. right? Because this is, what's, this is what's coming, right? Everyone will not be okay at some point. That's a huge thing to think about because when you actually start thinking about, look, I really enjoy this aspect of myself or, hey, I, I want to be celebrated in my sexuality from this other person, mm -hmm. right? Rather than I'm demeaned for having a high sex drive yes, or I'm, I'm asked questions of what's wrong with me because mm -hmm. I do or don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. These things make a difference. And when you know what these things are, you encounter people you're like, hey, you know, I share with them going through this and they really did not seem like they cared. Yeah. I don't think that's what I want in my life. Mm -hmm. This comes from understanding more about yourself and understanding what's the kind of love you want to nurture for yourself mm -hmm. and radiating that with other people. What's really great about uh, you and I's relationship in that is that I get to see you go through your realm of work mm -hmm. and it's going to sound kind of maybe, maybe weird in some kind of way. Yeah. It was one of the first times we went to the screening. Yeah. Um, and uh, you were just, you like clicked. You yeah. switched it on. 
Yeah. And you were in your mode. Yeah. You in your world, you were feeling it. You were talking with people. You were telling people where to go. You were getting stuff done. People were coming up to you. I was like, whoa, like she is like blooming in this moment. Like all this energy was there. And what I found, I took a step back because I was a little nervous, right? I was nervous that I was going to be left behind in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it started to brew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I stopped and I paused for a moment. And I wondered, can I, can I join the ship she's on? Can I just see if I can enjoy this moment where I'm seeing this beauty happen? And I did, and I savored it. I was like, wow, let me... I watched you for a moment. I don't know if you knew this. I watched you for a moment. Like I sat down and I was watching and I was like, wow, like this feels good. Oh. You know, my parents in her mode. Yeah. And it started to decrease my anxiety with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it yeah. wasn't about me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't about, I'm going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Right? She's going to do her own thing and I'm going to be off and there's going to be all these perspectives about it. It was, let me just be here. And this is the thing that makes, it makes changes. Yeah. Just be here. Yeah. Try to find ways to be here, accept how things are, and then go from there. Everything beyond that can be an experiment. You literally just had like, like a, a paradigm shift in the middle of something, you know, it's like you thought yourself out of that, which is so amazing because our minds are so powerful. You know, a perspective shift will, will general, will like shift how your nervous system is experiencing or like how you're feeling in that moment. A perspective shift is powerful. Oh yeah. It's all there too. Everything is there in the beginning. You feel it. Yes. The story pulls you away from it. The story is all these different things we're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Right. But the feeling is right there, right in the immediate moment. Mm -hmm. Chest is tight. Yeah. My breathing's low. I don't like this, right? My head's dizzy. I'm feeling foggy. Right. Right. All these feelings, sensations are there when you pause, breathe. These things can start to make movements, right? You know, I know this story is here, but it's not true, right? Let me pause on that. Let me just be present with this. I don't know if you know this. uh, I get anxious at parties. Oh, yeah. yeah. So do I. (laughs) We, we just show it in very different ways. We show yeah. it in very different ways. <laughs> yeah, you're really good at you're really good at masking it. Uh, you know, I can tell to a certain degree, but for the most part, you're on it. I'm like I running to you out. with my manic eyes, and I'm like speaking to you in telepathy. I'm like, <laughs> get me out of here. Get me out of here. I'm like, let's go to Taco Bell. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I take a pause. I leave. I'll go outside, take a breath. I'll yeah. go to the bathroom, and then I take a pause. I'm like, hey, let me be with myself for a moment. Mm-hmm. I do some deep breathing. Yeah. Right? Okay, hey, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Just go out there. Be there. Be yourself. I'm not great. I hate parties. People think I love parties, but I actually hate them. <laughs> I hate them. I I'm saying, it, I'm saying it now. There's a part of me that likes it, though. Yeah, I, like yeah. it. I like it for, like, a brief second. Like, <laughs> maybe for the first 15 minutes, and yeah. then I want to leave. But I had no idea that you went through that, babe. Like, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I get anxious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I try to stay away from the story of the anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Because that that can only get worse. Yeah, and I just go, yeah, I'm I'm feeling anxious, and that's okay. What do you think are some of our challenges? For me, for me, I would probably say 
oftentimes when I'm going through something that throws me off mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to manage, my immediate response is to, hey, let's process this, mm-hmm. right? Hey, let's dis- like decrease distractions, try to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. right? I take my time to figure out like, what's going on? Like, hey, what, what are you, why are you feeling this? Like, let's go deeper. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I have is I need to say that first to other people mm-hmm. before I go dive into my cave to figure out what's going on with me, mm-hmm. right? And so I think one of the things that I need to stay on top of and continue to work on, mm-hmm. sending you a message, like, you know, like, hey, I'm processing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because leaving you in the dark we don't know isn't okay. Yes. Right. And that's something that I know I'm in my journey with that also has an impact on you and our relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so, right. Thanks. That's right. You just got to let me know. You got to let me know. And then let me know so I can support you because you've been so supportive of me. Yeah. And I love you. I love you too. Mm. Turn off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> or is that your computer? I don't know. It's, it came through the computer. Rude. All right. So, um, Goatees, we're going to take a little breaky break, and we'll be right back after these short messages from us. nodding along while listening to Two Horny Goats. We, we totally get that we might not always agree on everything, but we're aimed at approaching each conversation with as much safety, balance, and compassion as we can. If you're enjoying this pod, please share it with a friend. Share it over lunch. Share it while you're in the car together. Share it when you don't want to talk. Just listen to us so that we completely infiltrate your mind, body, and soul. We love you. Spread the good word. Stay horny. there's so many fictions that we inherit that weren't ours and a lot of them have to do with exactly what you're saying capitalism patriarchy heteronormativity cisnormativity white supremacy and i i do love to read but i don't like to read these particular fictions anymore hi goatees hope you're enjoying today's episode last season we had the honor of interviewing poet activist and educator genevieve ting if you haven't heard this episode yet add it to your queue now For the vast majority of my life, I was socialized as an Asian American woman. I still feel a great connection to like the femininity that lives inside of my body. And if womanhood was like this house that I was sort of like indoctrinated into, you know, for the longest time, like I knew the blueprint of the house. I knew that house well. I started to identify as non-binary and I was like, I don't want to be in this house. I want to be in my body. Genevieve has a knack for using language to slice through convention to create new, beautiful things. It's intoxicating. It was a privilege to sit down with them and learn more about the intricacies of their gender identity journey. I I feel like I'm so much of me is dying as I'm rebirthing myself. There, there is the very easy narrative of like, I'm finally becoming the person I want to be and that's great, but there also has to be space for like the messy reality, which is like, I'm also dying yeah. and I'm also like putting myself to rest all the time. And it's okay for me to like be mourning myself because it happens and transition also means change. We hope you take a listen. Head to twohornygoats.com slash episodes slash queerness to listen now. 
or find the episode on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, that was me and Prisca talking about our show during our ad section. Chikuta, this is our unsolicited pick section. Unsolicited picks. <laughs> unsolicited dick section. <laughs> what is your unsolicited pick of the week? Unsolicited pick of the week. Hmm. Uh, if I could pick maybe a book. Yeah. It helpful. It would be attached. It helps with... Um, adult difficulties with attachment as relates to love and intimacy with your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So it goes to attachment styles and how that informs the challenges of, of love. Oh, really juicy read. And it just helps further understand, you know, a lot of what you were talking about in this episode. I think our partners are a direct mirror of us, right? It's like, that's what relationships do is they show us who we are. And uh, I want a snack. I want to. I'm like, <laughs> did you eat breakfast yet? You haven't eaten yet. No, I said yeah. celery juice. Oh, man, you said celery juice. So healthy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get on that track, yo. Shakuda, where can people find you? Where do you work? Do you have Insta? Are you on social media? Do you do free consultations? Like, yeah, I do a free consultation um, for couples or individuals who have sex-related challenges or non-sex-related challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best places to reach out to me is by my Psych Today profile. Um, you can Psychology look up, Today? Yeah, Psychology Today. So you can look up, if you want to on Google, you can look up Jakuta Pata Psychology Today. And uh, you'll see my face pop up there and you can schedule an appointment if you want to dive deeper into what's going on. Your very handsome face. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ja, for joining us today. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? The biggest thing I would say is um, set your sights on the beautiful world that's outside your comfort zone. And be kind to yourself. Allow yourself to experiment. And with that, go tease. If you like what you're hearing and you want to continue to support the podcast, please go to our website, Two Horny Goats. There is a button that you could click to donate your support to us. So until then, have a horny week, our lovely goatees. And remember, stay horny. horny. (laughs) And remember. Horny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and remember, stay Stay horny. horny. Good job, (laughs) Ja. Good job, Roxy. Thank you. We out.